Folks, welcome to Vintage Baseball Reflections. I am Tom, the baseball nostalgia guy, bringing you these treasured pieces. Do you miss the good old days of listening to baseball through radios? It was a classic pastime that stood for decades and shaped how we cherish baseball in our heroes. These stories are from a moment in time that were heard by fans just like you. They are uncut, unfiltered, simply here for you to enjoy. So I just want you to enjoy this reflection on baseball history. From Day to DeRocher to DiMaggio, it's Double Play with DeRocher and Day. With their guest, Joe DiMaggio, here's another chapter of Double Play with DeRocher and Day. Welcome to another visit with baseball's most exciting and controversial couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher, with our guest for today, Joe DiMaggio. So many of you have written to us asking us to have Joe DiMaggio as our guest on the show. And we're going to have Joe DiMaggio, but you know, he's retired now. But we'll have him as our guest just as soon as I can wake him up. Joe. Hey. Joe. Joe. Lorraine, I know if Joe joins our audience in listening to this message, he'll be wide awake. And now back to Leo and Lorraine and that very famous retired Yankee, Jolton Joe DiMaggio. Hi there, baseball fans. Welcome to another chapter of Double Play. All right. Boy, you're really taking this <laughs> retirement seriously, well, aren't you? I certainly you? am. You know, I've been laying in that apartment and I have to go to the ballpark anymore. I feel wonderful. Oh, no more aches and pains. <laughs> I'll bet you there's one fellow who's glad you're retired, and that's your brother, Dom. Well, why do you say that, Lorraine? Uh, well, I would just sort of imagine, Joe, that it's pretty tough to be a ball player and grow up and, I mean, play ball in the shadow of such a famous brother. Nobody ever really notices you because your your brother's so famous and such a great center fielder. Well, he certainly is famous, but... Uh, I'm I, talking I, about well, you! <laughs> I think... <laughs> this is a very strange thing because Dom did tell me two years ago, he said... Why don't you quit this game? He says, I'd like to get my name and all the columnists writing about me for a change. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly has done that because he's leading the league now, I see, and uh, I only hope that he can, uh, continues to do that. I was talking to Mrs. M- McCarthy, and I said, when Joe was managing, didn't you ever second-guess him the way I second-guess Leo? And she says, well, it seems that every time he came in the house, the thing I said to him was, why didn't you walk to Maggio? <laughs> <laughs> well, I she asked me that too, Joe. She asked me that in the last where, you know, how come he didn't walk to Baggio? I said, where was I going to put him? I said, he just, uh, you know, after all, you just ripped one of the seats for us. That was all. Well, Leo, you know, up there at Boston, my gosh, that left field wall up there. I'd hate to be a pitcher out there or hate to be managing the club and find you at the plate at that short left field wall in Boston. I don't know how much you'd have hit if you'd had a park like that to play in, Joe. Well, I don't know about that, Leo. All I can say is in 1951 there, during our World Series with you, uh, I went 0 for 11, if you recall. If you went 1 for 90, it wouldn't make any difference. I know that when you walk up to that plate, that the pitcher has to be very careful. If he made a mistake, we knew we were gone. You're the one that worried my staff the most, I'll tell you that. Well, your staff is no exception. But let's get to these these letters that we oh, have. That's pretty I'm sorry, but we have to answer letters on this show. We get so many asking questions, and when we do have a guest like Joe, why we have to ask these questions that only Joe can answer. For instance, I have a couple of letters here. One is from John Robb in Wall Lake, Michigan, and he says, I've read so many sports writers who insist that Casey Stengel's style of managing is unorthodox. If it is, it certainly seems to work, but I want to know if this is true. 
Is his style of uh, managing unorthodox? Well, I would say so. His style is very unorthodox. He's the type of fellow or the manager, you know, when he has 25 men, which is the limit that you have on the bench or uh, the roster, uh, he uses every one of them. Is he funny on the bench, by the way? Well, he He's certainly so funny is. He's funny off the bench. <laughs> I, uh, I could recall one of the days over there at, uh, sitting on the bench just recently, and... Uh, uh, he was walking up and down the bench, and the play happened out there in left field, and uh, it was one of those appeal plays, and he was talking or walking around talking to all the umpires, and they couldn't get anything, or he couldn't get anything out of them. So when he comes storming into the bench, and he came over to me, I was minding my own business, smoking a cigarette way off by the stairs, and he says, Joey, says, what about that play? And I says, well, I says, I don't know. I have never read a real book in my life. <laughs> he maybe wants you to go out there and see if you couldn't straighten the umpires out. Well, speaking of um, managers, do you think we could manage to let our sponsor get a, a word in right here? And now back to Double Play with Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day and their guest for today, Joe DiMaggio. Here's a question you might like to answer, Joe. It says, what do you think the famous players of maybe just a few years ago think of the bonus system? And that is asked by John Welch of Akron, Ohio. Why, uh... The best way I could answer that, Lorraine, is that uh, I don't really approve of the bonus. Of course, I'd like to see the boys get as much money as possible. But on the other hand, I don't think it helps their playing any. Now, I could uh, think back about Antonelli. Uh, when he was signed with Boston for something like $75,000, and he had to stay with the team. In other words, they couldn't send him down back to the minor leagues. I think it not only hurt him because he couldn't pitch, he was a green boy, but it also hurt the ball club. So uh, I'd like to have the boy that starts off picking him out of the sandlot and play minor league ball, get his two or three years experience, then bring him up to the major leagues, and I think he's just about ready. Have there been uh, many uh, very famous uh, bonus players who have succeeded and become big stars? Well, well there's been a few. I mean, uh, uh, Roberts uh, of the Philadelphia Club and Simmons, I think those are the two best bonus players that, uh, that have been in baseball in quite some time. And uh, they uh, had very little experience, both of them. But I think that before they were signed as bonus players, they played with strong semi-pro clubs. But uh, the kids that, uh, that, uh, that this gentleman is referring to, the kids that come out of school, uh, Joe is so right about it. You, you put them on a major league ball club, you give them a fantastic figure of sixty-five or $75,000 or whatever the amount may be for signing. Now you've got to keep them a year on your club. Hasn't that rule been changed? It has been changed, but you handicapped the manager... In the past, you've handicapped the manager that he's now got this kid. He can't pitch him. He can't play him. If he does, he's, uh, he, he may lose an important ball game that may cost him the pennant. And the kid sits idle all summer long. Whereas if he, as Joe says, comes right out of the sandlot, a rough, tough kid that wants to play ball and is interested in making a great career out of it, he wants to play in a minor league club and make a record for himself and be brought up slowly. Well, maybe Mr. Welch means how does the established star say who is getting a salary of... Uh $50,000, and who is a star and is so important to his club? How does he feel about a young kid coming in and getting $75,000 or $100,000 just to sign and is of no help? We've had players in every spring. Uh, they've always referred to uh, so-and-so that you gave 30000 to, and now I'm looking for a $3,000 raise, and I played 140 games and hit 340 or hit 310, and I can't get it. You're quibbling about it, and you're willing to give this kid. Well, there has been arguments like that. And I can see where you do uh, have uh, controversy about it uh, from a manager standpoint and an owner standpoint. Uh, and maybe Joe has a different answer for it. 
No, I go along with that, Leo, because I remember, of course, I recall some of the boys being around the clubhouse and talking about it, and they had great years, and they had a tough time getting a two to $5,000 raise when they went ahead and gave a kid who hadn't proven himself something like sixty to $100,000. Well, just think how the Pittsburgh Ball Club may feel, uh, how the players must feel, rather, uh, to get a kid like this Pettit who got $100,000. And you take a player on the club who, uh, we'll say, had a mediocre year that's playing for maybe six or 7000 There's a lot of talk around the clubhouse about that, and uh, that can cause a lot of uh, dissension on your ball club, I believe. Well, I know that Joe, when, when Joe started out, did you know this, Leo, that Joe started out as a shortstop? Yes, I did. I <laughs> did you, Leo? No, I didn't know that. I was amazed. I really am startled. You did? I did. I played with San Francisco the first three ball games that I had played with. It was the last three games of the 1932 season. And uh, I have, I think, an all-time record, Leo. I uh, handled 11 chances, but not cleanly. All errors. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that makes you an outfielder immediately. That's right. Well, after, you know, Joe, that's a funny thing. It's a funny thing how great players uh, go into one position. I can recall with the St. Louis Cardinals when Frankie Frisch was the manager. You know, he never played shortstop. Always a great second baseman. And uh, he come right out of college, in fact, into Major League Baseball. And I remember one day in Cincinnati, oh, this is a number of years ago, and we had him beaten, I don't know what the score was, uh, by 10 or 11 runs in the last inning of a doubleheader, and it was tremendously hot, uh, well over 100. And I said to Frank, uh, you know, he wasn't playing the second game, I said, finish up for me, will you? I'm all in. And I think the first five balls hit the first shortstop, went right through his legs. He never picked up a one of them. And he came in the clubhouse, and he just jumped up and down. He said, don't you ever ask to be taken out of the ball game again. So I, that ended his career as a shortstop, too. Well, it's lucky you could pick him up, because, boy, if they had to depend on that bat of yours, you would still be down in all the time when you get the people on the show that you criticize my hitting. Oh, honey. Let's face it, 220. He's <laughs> 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 a fine guy to have on the show and then say 220. Well, it makes me feel Joe, let me ask one, one question, Joe. My lifetime average, I think, is 238. I'm not sure. What is your lifetime average? My lifetime Joe? average just happened to see in the record book the other day, 325. Let's forget. Now go on. There it is. Any more about uh, that show? Bad. You do this to me every show. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Joe, I think one of the the uh, most memorable quotes that they attribute to you is in 1949 when the fans gave you a day when you said, "Thank God for making me a Yankee." Well, I kind of felt that way at the time, and uh, it was really a, a nice tribute because of the people that were out there and the Yankee organization asking my mother and family to come to make the trip just for that one uh, occasion, and of course, uh, that's during the time that I was sick, and uh, I was, of course, pent up with emotion myself, so something like that that came out of me, I quite didn't stand it, but I actually felt that way, and I really felt uh, what I said were really my feelings. There wasn't a dry eye in the Yankee Stadium, I understand, when you said that. And we asked a question on one of our shows that when the fans give a player a day, it seems that they usually have an off day, that they can't seem to do anything very well on that particular day. Was that true in your case? No, I got a uh, base hit that day with a man on first and second and uh, kept the rally going. It had gone over to and Dobson just came in to relieve. They were leaving four to nothing, and I hit the first pitch right through the mound for a base hit because he knocked it down. And uh, we did uh, load up the bases and went on to get four runs that inning. Uh, but, uh, you know, the rest of the day, of course, I could say uh, the next day, why well, I uh, hit a ball to right field. They were all playing me in left field because I'd lost 18 pounds. You know, I had pneumonia and uh, various pneumonia, and they were all playing me in left field, and I dropped a couple in the right field. Oh, that's I know one thing, Joe. You come back after being sick, 
just something about it, Joe. I don't know what it is. Uh, a great player just takes a club and brings it along. I don't know, Joe. Uh, maybe this is a, a funny thing to say, but how about coming out of retirement? You know, I can use a center fielder, and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and there's some way we can work this around where you could uh, just play a little bit. Well, it's nice of you to say that, Leo, but you know I'm still uh, obligated to the Yankees uh, for some reason. Oh, the, the Yankees can get along without you for one year. Joe, yeah, let us have like you one year. Yeah, I'd like to look at the man you're going to the plate for Besides, me. Besides, who's going to carry me out the outfield? Who's going to bring me in? I got, I'll be your caddy. I'll be your caddy. I'll get you out and get you back. <laughs> Well, with that, we'll let you go right back into retirement, Joe. Okay, Lorraine. See you, Leo. Okay, Joe. There he goes. There oh, he right. goes. Oh, back <laughs> to rest. I'm That's sorry right. we have to go to it. So long. You've been listening to another chapter of Double Play with baseball's most exciting couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher. Today, Lorraine and Leo had as their guest Joe DiMaggio. Join us when again it's time for Double Play with Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day, plus another big-time guest star. Double Play is produced and directed by Ted Nealon and is a Martet production. VintageBaseballReflections.com features a treasure chest of baseball audio. The wonderful thing is the audio isn't a guy like me or a few talking heads reflecting on players, seasons, or teams. It is the actual players from that era, announcers from that era, giving you an uncut, unfiltered, unrecent day stance on what it was like then. These are real-time clips from that era. Now, we encourage you to check out our entire back catalog of baseball audio. And if you like old-time games, and folks, and folks, you are not alone. Join the membership section to enjoy interacting with fans, scoring games with folks just like you, and listening to hundreds of radio broadcasts that were baseball classics. As a special offer to you, type in This Day in Baseball for a discount just for you. And if you enjoyed the show, hit the plus sign to subscribe, follow us on the socials, and above all, share us with your friends who love baseball history just like you.